0: Welcome, welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast. I am your host, Sean Bogle. In addition to making some appearances on the EOC podcast show, we are twisting things up on the podcast show by introducing a variety of individuals to host their own show in their own unique way. Here at Wide Lens, we strongly believe that collaboration is key to conservation efforts, and I'm extremely excited to announce that we have added a fresh component to the EOC marquee that embraces all art forms and how these diverse creative mediums can convey conservation information. All of us respond differently to a variety of media. Some of us connect with video and radio, while others may connect to painting, song, or dance. It is important that these issues, actions, and efforts that concern the natural world of our planet are received by as many people as possible. So we introduced the Eyes on Conservation art scene. The Eyes on Conservation art scene, also known as IACAS, E-O-C-A-S, in its abbreviated form, is a community where artists can fuse together, share ideas, and showcase their individual works that focus on conservation. The mission of the EOC art scene is a place of unity and raising awareness about wildlife issues, not to mention a place where cool art is created. Recently, we launched the first EOC art scene exhibit at the Le Bois Film Festival, which we co-host with the Treasure Valley Land Trust in Boise, Idaho. Our first amazing collaborators to premiere this exhibit is the Swell Artist Collective and the Endangered Species Print Project. The exhibit is currently on display at the Swell Artist Collective Gallery, which we attended, and this takes us into today's show. The theme of the exhibit is sensitive species, which I know sounds rather ambiguous. We wanted to eliminate the various conservation status terminology that is used by state, federal, and international organizations like IUCN. We believe that all species should be identified as sensitive despite their population status and not only given attention when their populations are in dire straits. The goal of the exhibit is to raise awareness of species in the Idaho and Pacific Northwest region as well as international species and how these species share commonalities, as well as connections to all species. Swell Artists produced 35 original works of art of these species, and the Endangered Species Print Project presented five art pieces coupled with a map showing their migrations. These two organizations are wonderful examples of an artistic community with a shared love and appreciation for wildlife, while inspiring others. During the exhibit, I had the chance to talk with some of the artists, scientists, and contributors. Now let's transcend into the wild world of the eyes on conservation art scene.
1: Uh, my name is Kelly Kanap, um, one of the founders of the Collective. So this act, this show that we're doing right now is actually kind of it's something we've done before with other like history entities or like local things. So it fit really well um, to not only have artists produce work that is tied to something in our community, but also educate the the viewers. Um, We found that having that bit of information with the artwork really helps uh, the viewers kind of attach themselves to it and enjoy it more. So when we were approached by your crew and started talking about this art idea, it was like, man, we have a stable of amazing artists Mm -hmm. and it'd be right up their alley and put out the call, um, gave them an animal list and everyone drew out of a hat, random, and uh, everyone was really excited to do it. And now we're standing here, and the room's filling up pretty quickly, and seem to be a great fit for everyone involved. So,
0: so I'm curious is this is this the first uh, or is this a uh, the first opportunity for Swell to be a part of a, a strong conservation concept like this, where there's um, it's not just traditional wildlife species that we're training here. This isn't your typical uh, trout or bear on a pedestal kind of right. thing. This, there's definitely a lot of self-expression from each individual artist. Um, tell me a little bit about the the reaction or the response that you got from the community themselves since you oversee see them and like how did they perceive that
1: well it was funny it was this, the foreign it was it, it was kind of um, for people that live here in Boise the artists and the people that have heard about the show and ask questions you know they would look at the poster and realize that uh, these are are these really endangered or sensitive species and they're unaware. I mean, you think about like a bear or certain birds or fish, and you're like, oh, there's so many of those, and you never hear that they're endangered or, or sensitive. So I've talked to a bunch of artists that were just completely unaware that the animal that they were portraying in their art um, is at risk. And same with, like I said, the people coming here, they're going to be very surprised to learn that there are so many animals on that list and ones that you would just feel like, are probably fine because you don't hear that they're on that list. Um, so the coolest thing about this to me is educating the artists and the community, um, and just putting that in their head with an image so they can walk away being like, wow, I had no clue that there were so many species in our own state that were in need of uh, conservation. So yes, it is the first wildlife conservation thing we've done. Mm -hmm. Um, we've done some Idaho history shows. Um, we're doing a show with Idaho preservation was more about buildings in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, but we find that that's enough reason to get someone off their
0: couch to see art. Right, right. You know, right, right. You know. Well, that's great. I extend my hand to you. Thank you for yeah, yeah. really being a part of this. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah. um, everything that you guys have done. Thanks Thank very
2: much.
0: Yeah. Our first artist that we spoke with is Robert S. Hera, who is an award winning tattoo artist and self taught painter. All right. So if you could just um, uh, describe the, the piece that you created and. and, and, and when you were creating that what was that that thinking process i mean have you ever had any connection with wildlife on any level in general or
3: yeah i do hunt i do fish but but i like conserving you know the wildlife, leaving mm-hmm. it better than what we go out. We I'm not judging you, so do so we I mean, no, we're just seriously. having a conversation. When we go out, we go out I go hunting, and, and you know,
0: you see trash, you pick it up, right? You know, I mean, people destroy it, but we try to keep it. Well, they want, to enjoy, they want to enjoy it, but they don't right. respect it, which is a total right. contradiction, right?
3: So, but when I did this one, I've never painted a fish before, so I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to try something completely different than what I normally paint. And so I, I, I picked the Chinook. Um, but I, I love the way the salmon look and how they change colors and, and go from the ocean to, to the river. You know, it's it's completely different than pretty much any other fish except for a shark. Right. But, but I mean they have their own personality like all species they really represent themselves nothing else is the same right and then trying to get upstream to spawn I mean it's completely different from going from uh, when they're in the ocean the color right and then going upriver and completely turning red in different colors Mm -hmm. it's bizarre it's I don't know I just I wanted to, to paint that where it went from one color to another in in their their change in the habitat and yeah, it's pretty amazing
0: so if you would you know because these are this is for our listeners um, I think it would really help if you could just describe um, you know what it is exactly that you know the scene that you painted is uh, the salmon going from the ocean
3: going up river to spawn so it's actually Changing the habitats and it's actually also changing colors. So, and they they end up dying, you know, after they spawn. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a bizarre, uh, bizarre life, going from from uh, the ocean to the river and then spawning and then dying. So it's
0: it's pretty cool. I had a lot of fun with this painting. I, did you did you interact with any other artists? I mean, nope. did, did you guys did you guys kind of just go off in the yeah, was, cave and then just yeah. come back with the end result?
3: Yeah, I every, you know I work a regular job, but I also when I paint, I, I come home and go into my office, my studio, and then close the doors and it's by myself. I don't really interact with anybody else when I'm painting.
0: And so now that now that you're here, I mean, what do you think about all these other pieces from your your peers? Uh, it's amazing. I mean, the the
3: concepts and and um, the way that they they paint, it's pretty amazing. I, I love it. I'm looking around and actually bought this one. Oh, you bought this one? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I loved it. She loved it. That's rad, but yeah, I I love it. I love looking at other people's art and inspiring, and you know, doing things a little bit differently.
0: Do you see their personalities in these pieces? I mean, you probably know. I don't know if you know all these people, but but you can say, "I know that. I know that one. That's this person." Yes, I do. That's pretty. It's
3: when you see you start knowing the people, and you can see their their styles and their artwork. It's pretty cool. I like
0: it. Good. Hey man. Thank I you. appreciate it. Thank I you very you much, much and I really appreciate you participating in so awesome. uh, this. Awesome. I think this is I'm I i did not know what to expect but uh I'm Yeah,
4: yeah look at us, we even bought one. <laughs>
0: I know, I, I think that and I think that's great you're supporting each other like that. You really I mean that you yeah. really need to. Right? It's a
4: great piece though. I was like, Oh, that's perfect, it'll look in their house. And it's great by not becoming artists. Yeah.
3: I'm a tattoo artist. I've been tattooing for almost 25 years. I would have guessed. So this... (laughs) So, I mean, like, painting something like this is is completely different than what I would normally do.
0: It got you out of your comfort zone.
4: Yeah, it was was interesting because when they first asked him to paint this scenario and this wildlife adventure here, he was definitely, like... Oh, because it was so out of the realm of what he normally does. But I have to say, this is one of his best pieces.
5: Really? Like, Did it turned this? out yeah. phenomenal.
4: <laughs> and, I mean, he's had rave reviews on it already. We've already sold some prints um, just from the little bit of that we've put on Facebook, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's turned out really beautiful.
0: beautiful. So do you think you're going to produce more? I guess, like oh, wildlife and even, even using yeah. This, yeah. this style? Yeah. Now
4: that he's been in this realm, he's been talking I, about honestly that. Honestly,
3: I, I normally paint in oil. So, uh, I, and I do portraits and stuff like that. So, th- I this is a acrylic ink. So it's completely different than what I normally paint with. So the way that
4: he captured the light in the no, ba- I, in that water I agree. is just
0: it completely it completely pops. I
4: mean, I love the water.
0: Just uh, this is completely the opposite of what I, I normally do. Well, now you can open it's up possible. your own Etsy shop. <laughs>
4: so yeah, it's been yeah. fun, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: well, you guys enjoy the rest of the, yeah. the time here. I appreciate thank you it. really. It. Thank you. Name's Lance Brown. Okay, I speak Uh, Lance Brown.
5: Yeah, I'm uh, full-time grocer, part-time artist. Okay, uh, (laughs) grocery manager. But uh, I was late to like the game. Um, I kind of don't check my emails regularly as I should, and so it was past the deadline. And I was like, "Hey Kelly, you still need anybody?" And He was like, "Yeah, dude. Next time you're down here, like, let's just look through the list and see what's left." So um, I was pretty much stuck with either plants, landscape stuff, or don't
0: sound too pleased with the
5: plant. He, well,
0: I was like, ah, I
5: don't know. Like, that sounds like something my—that's like something my grandma might uh, paint. You know, like, it? yeah. But she joyfully? was always like a landscape painter. Gotcha. Um, and so. Noble was like, man, well, like I was gonna pick this, but then I got the bull, like bull trout, and so or Kelly, and so I was like, okay, well, let's look at what else we have, just to, like. Try and rack it through my brain. And this was like the animal that really resonated with like something I could do, and like uh, a lot of the art that I do is pun based. I try to make I try to make light of situations sometimes. Right.
0: Life's just too serious. Yeah, life's too serious sometimes.
5: Yeah. So you know, a lot of people are like, your art appeals to kids. I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing, but I don't really have money. Uh but anyway, so yeah, so I ended up taking the Fisher, uh, and then for a couple weeks I was like reading about them and talking to people at work about them because you know I was like ah, I don't know what I should do. So you didn't
0: know anything about a Fisher? <laughs>
5: Not really. And they're like in Boise. <laughs> have you ever seen one, like in real life? Now that, like after I like really talked to a guy at well, work, I was like I think I might have seen one, and he was like I've definitely seen one. Uh, we had like it a Sounds like a Sasquatch store. No, okay. totally, yeah, I've definitely seen one. They exist. Uh, <laughs> we were at a training out in by the fairgrounds, um, and a couple guys were out there like taking a little smoke break or whatever. And two guys were like, What the hell is that thing? He's like, Dude, that's a fisher. You never heard of a fisher before? And they were like, No. I I was kind of shocked that this dude who was like covered in tats like he had like Johnny Cupcake tattoo on his neck and stuff and I was like you know what a fisher is and I've never heard of this thing uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast (laughs) so yeah he was like kind of telling me he was like yeah dude, I've seen him like in Boise and I think they live close to the river and yeah and then after like kind of like getting stories from people I was like uh, another kid had asked me to do a, separ- a different Star Wars painting, and I was like, "And Carrie Fisher had just passed away, so she's she's extinct now." And it just made sense, you know, like be careful, or know, you can. Could...
0: She beat the Fisher.
5: Yeah, wow, that is so. And I thought, like, Fisher, Fisher, it was kind of hard to not do it, you know. Right, after, right. after that, like, came into my mind, I was like, yeah, this is what's, I have to do this.
0: So now that you, you, you've set the scene, let's come over to the piece and then de- describe for our listeners what exactly you're referring to as far as this one, like, describe what a Fisher looks like and describe exactly what your interpretation was of that. So, Fisher is like a larger weasel
5: rodent. And then Carrie Fisher, obviously Princess Leia. So, I got Princess Leia in her standard position with her shooter and uh, switched out her face for the head of a fisher, of a Pacific fisher, um, with a nice, like... uh, kind of based it off of like the most iconic photo of princess leia that i could find um and just switched it out
0: it's the so it's the it's the gun to the chest and, and it's the uh, the carrie fisher typical buns on either side oh yeah that somebody got in trouble with the cinnabon thing <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> uh-huh. um so this experience for you Um, Apart from, you know, you you poked a little bit of humor, which I think is absolutely fantastic. If you've never... I I mean, this is a new concept for you to be painting a sensitive species.
5: Yeah. uh, Mostly I make up the species that I paint. Like create creatures like um, when I when I was in college I would get bored in lectures I would get bored in lectures and I would uh, like have a soda can and I would do a blind contour drawing of it and then would be like how can I make this a creature um, so yeah so I I kind of did that, and then, um, but I have kind of personified animals before. Um, that's obviously not something that's like yes, yes, yes. super I can't, I can't, I new or original. There's a lot of people who do it, but um, yeah, I probably would have never done this had I not been invited to so you, you, be a part you, of the show.
0: You did learn something from this, mm-hmm. and I um, mean, what is this? <laughs> As far as, like, you know, I don't know where you stand in the world as far as uh, knowing what species are in your backyard. Obviously, you're at this show right now, and you clearly are surrounded by all the species that are in your backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> tell me how this, this setting and the scene and being with your peers, um, you know, how are you how are you taking this all in? I mean, what is, what is this mood and this vibe that's here amongst everybody? I mean... Are, were were people very eager to do this 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 concept and then now that we're standing here with these you know the, the pieces the completed pieces you know what what is the mood right now and not only for yourself but you know is this something that um, speaks yeah. to I mean are you are you seeing some of the reactions from the people that are coming to view yeah i think so um, a lot of yeah i mean a lot of people are like man
5: I like what you did there with the pun. Uh, that, that's the feedback I've heard so far. A lot of people, but you but
1: have, been
0: you would my have to know what a real yeah,
5: yeah. specific fisher is exactly. Yeah, the pun. and I think people kind of looked at it and were like, uh, and then they see like that tag and they read like, oh, okay, I, I get it. Right, right, right. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's definitely eye-opening. Like, I know that you know, as time goes on, like more and more human humans have more of an impact on the environment, and nature, and. You know, the more houses we build, the less houses the animals have. Um, right. And unfortunately, that's like how it moves in the future, you know, yeah. unless you know, we we're going to stand up and do something about it. But I think it's very eye-opening to like see all of the this imagery of animals that are, you know, threatened, endangered, um, borderline extinct. And I think it's eye-opening just to see like what's in Idaho um, and, and how much we... We we have to lose, you know. You lose. Uh, I can't remember the word they use for, it, but uh, like a a primary species within that ecosystem and its overall effect on everything else. It's like it's like how Einstein said, "If the bees go, we go." Sort of deal, you know. Like they do most of the pollination of the food humans eat, and so it's like you know, even that, just like man, losing one species could have that much of an impact on the world around us. Right. So, cool. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crazy.
6: Well, great, man. Uh, so my name is Julia Green. Uh, I've been... I've been, I don't know, I guess an artist. I've been drawing and painting and stuff my whole life. And... I kind of decided, like, in high school that I really just wanted to pursue that. And so I decided um, I would go get my BFA in illustration. And so I went and did that. And I never wavered from it. Like, I was really set on really? going into that field. So it's, it's been, just yeah. it's narrow. No, yeah. So, yeah, I never wavered from it. I never changed my mind. It was like I just was dead set on it. And so, uh, yeah, here I am. I mean, I, I do a lot of illustration work. I do some design work. Mm-hmm. I have a day job as a designer, um, but it still has some like illustration parts to it. So that's good. Mm-hmm.
0: So essentially, tell me um, what that what the process was like. What how did you how did you come up with your um, you know getting involved with. This type of show Like when you first Heard about like Mm -hmm. Swell wanted to make a show About conservation And the local species Yeah um, And their sensitive uh, Stage You know What was going through Your mind when you you First heard that Um, And like as far as, I don't I don't know what that process is for you when yeah. you're like, okay, this is my subject matter. Yeah. How am I going to digest, process, yeah. and, you know.
6: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I help run S.W.E.L.L. Um, I'm not here during the day, but Kelly and Noble are the ones that really take on the art show themes and then kind of ask me what I think or just, like, decide to do those shows. Um, I do a lot of, I make a lot of animal work anyways, or animal themed artwork. And so when they told me about this, I was excited about it. Um, I like doing art shows that benefit things that I appreciate, you know, Idaho and wildlife.
0: Let me ask you this then. So if you, if you've already had a strong focus on animals, Mm -hmm. why is that? What, what is that personal uh, interest or that attraction?
6: Uh, I don't. I've never like pinpointed that exactly. I grew up with animals. I grew up with animals. Yes. Um. I, I think especially in Idaho. I mean, who doesn't have pets here? I feel like Idaho. Like everyone has a pet or pets growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've had dogs and cats, and I remember I had one of those little uh, crabs, um, hermit hermit crabs. Yeah, when I was a kid, I had hermit crabs and hamsters and um, all those little animals that little kids always have growing up. What about up. anything
0: else besides domestic creatures? How about, like, did you, <laughs> I you know, go, Hi, like, wish, people? I wish,
6: I know. Yeah. Um, so, but I think that I've always wondered, oh, research, like if you look at my work, it's described as like cute or adorable. So um, Do
0: you like those terms?
6: I don't, I don't mind those terms. I think that's Is a very like easy way of describing my work. Um, I know that I've always thought about, like, what does that mean? And I think it comes down to uh, people are drawn to things that are vulnerable. And things that are cute have, like, this sense of meaning, um, like, baby-like or infantile. And something you have to take care of. Which I think could draw itself back to animals. Mm -hmm. Things that are, like, seen as, like, you have to help it. That could be, like, one way of people, I think, liking animals. Um, I always think about that about my work. Like, why do I draw that way? Mm And I haven't haven't really unlocked why I do what I do. Um, I'm drawn to drawing in a certain way, um, but I've had long discussions with my other artist friends, and I haven't unlocked that code maybe yet. Maybe you're
0: vulnerable, yeah, and maybe you care of? yeah, maybe that's
6: what. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't know why I'm really drawn to that. Um, but I have had long discussions about that, like things that are cute are seen as vulnerable, and people want to take care of it. And I would describe a lot of the things in my a lot of the imagery in my artwork. As that, mm-hmm. um, specifically my squirrels, like they're the perfect size. The kind of um, my northern Idaho ground squirrels are, you know, they would fit in your hand. And I have them sleeping and burrowed together, so it's a very like soft touching moment. I guess is how I would describe that. Um, and I, I mean, when I <laughs> Kelly kind of assigned that art, that animal to me, just because he knows that I like squirrels. And so uh I was just reading up on them and and that's how I decided how to draw them. Um you know, I, I read that they hibernate for eight to nine months of the year and um it was something like they only mate for two hours out of the year and I was I kinda of thought that was like really funny and and weird and that you know, they just burrow and that their habitat's gone and that's why we're losing them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of just when I that's I was just picturing these little ground squirrels sleeping all the time. Um and just being like, yeah, just hibernating. So that's kind of what my piece what I wanted to do for my piece. Um but I always give kind of a a more like whimsical take on it. So they have sleeping caps and they're under a blanket. Which is not real life, obviously. But I mean,
0: you know, when I look at this, it feels very Christmassy.
6: Oh, I can see that. It, yeah, I mean,
0: it's got the it's got these nice like little uh Foliage patterns on there, which mm-hmm. are indicative of a wreath or something. Yeah, and then you've got the uh, the the sugar cane. Yeah, uh, yeah, sheets, it is.
6: Yeah, definitely. You know, these like almost that.
0: look like these cheeks look like ornaments in my in my mind. Oh and I, yeah. And I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, the power of suggestion. Yeah, open to interpretation. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it felt very that felt very Christmassy to me. Which of I course is a warm season.
6: Yeah, it is. You
0: know, obviously not se- like the season itself, but yeah. the, the holiday portion of it. And that does contribute,
6: mm-hmm.
0: like a subliminal, like
6: yeah, I could definitely see feeling that. of
0: like, oh, okay, so they're cozy. Yeah, and maybe it's Christmas Eve. Yeah, we <laughs> could build a whole story behind this. Yes,
6: yes, yeah.
0: Um, so when you when you know when you were doing this, um, obviously you 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 have you've had that emotional process that you would use in order to create this because you've always drawn animals yeah, in, squirrels yeah. in particular. Um, but I'm wondering. Um, you know, this particular piece, and because it, it's representative of a bigger show and a message,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, how did how did that resonate with you internally as far as, like, okay, you, you know, this is more than you just drawing a bunch of cute squirrels. Like, Definitely. These squirrels are not just any type of squirrel. They're yeah. not only regional, yeah. but they are at a sensitive stage as far mm-hmm. as survival. You know, yeah. like, ex- explain that type of connection. You know, like, did you... Did you connect differently with your subject matter than you have in the past?
6: Uh, definitely. I think, uh, one, like the research. Like, I don't always go in-depth and research on an animal. I like, I might see an animal that's cool-looking or a cat or something. I'm not going to re- necessarily research that cat right, to, like, right. the ninth degree. This, I did. Like, I, one, I looked up northern Idaho ground squirrel versus southern Idaho ground squirrel. And what um, did you find? They they look the same. That was and that and was what the funniest. The uh, they're both well, they're both they're both sensitive species. <laughs> okay.
0: And why is that? Well, I
3: think it comes down to habitat, right?
6: Okay. Like so fire. Habitat loss? Yeah, habitat loss from fire and from um, uh, human encroachment. Human encroachment. Yes, right. so that's the proper term. <laughs> Um even though they both live in very different climates, I mean northern Idaho is very different than southern Idaho. So the southern Idaho ground squirrel is much more deserted and uh, those kinds of Just a different environment. Yeah, different environment. Um, I kind of think too, though, that it probably doesn't help that they hibernate so much and only mate for like two hours out of the year. I was like, well, you're not helping yourself. That's kind of what I was for the box. Yeah, I was like, I was like, we'll start mating more squirrels, or something's gonna like something's gotta give. So, I kind of, I, I did. I do feel like with this I definitely got a chance to research a specific species and I think that's really interesting. I mean there's so many different kinds of animals, you don't necessarily know all the different species and varieties of them. So I thought that this was great because then you would learn specifically about, you know, a certain kind of fish or a snail, like Noble has a snail, that I didn't even realize was, uh, you know, a sensitive species. I didn't even realize that, that was... Well,
0: it's it's so small, I mean, you don't, there's yeah, no, you don't, you you don't, don't, don't you interact don't, with it yeah, that often, yeah. I mean, you probably step and over think, it or step on it yeah. more often than you yeah, know, but...
6: Definitely. And I think, too, I think sometimes it's hard, people don't realize even, like, locally what animals in that state for them are endangered or sensitive. I think when people think of endangered species, they think of, like, you know, Know, a certain kind of ape in some other country, or
0: more of these lions. iconic, charismatic, yeah. uh, charismatic creatures like elephants yeah. and giraffes, like you're saying, yeah. and they, they, they. And I think that that's. I'm glad you brought that up because that is the whole mission of this exhibit: yeah. Is to educate people about the animals that they obviously are not aware in their backyard and the fact that they are just as threatened on many levels as some of these larger species. Yeah. They get the limelight. but uh, So I think that I'm really glad you brought that up because if if the connection can start from the artist acknowledging that, conveying that through their artwork, yes. and then the viewer picking up on that, that thread has now been connected.
6: Oh, definitely. And then people then go, oh, okay, and that and using art
0: with the variety of approaches that there's been is extremely important to reach
6: the masses. Yes. So. Yeah, I think that is a great from an artist perspective and a viewer. I mean... Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought of a s- specific species. I know that I didn't. Like I was I I really enjoyed reading about each one and I think it was great that we had the little info card with each piece to kind of like give you information about each animal. Like I didn't I didn't even when I was researching I didn't know that it was like as few as five hundred ground squirrels were in existence. Which is that's nothing. That's like that's nothing. There's probably like five hundred regular squirrels like in this c- city block. So Uh, Yeah, it's it's definitely eye-opening, especially to see like how many might be in existence if you have like those numbers. So, so
0: I have just two more questions. Oh yeah, definitely. One of them is um, what what reaction have you have you been able to pick up on from people that are coming in there to process? You know, like those receipts. Have you heard any comments about not just your piece, but even in general?
6: Oh, in general, um, I've been a little bit away from back here at least (laughs) for some of the artwork Uh, I know that I've seen a lot of people reading the info cards and finding a lot of interest in that yeah yeah, they definitely are doing both they're like looking at the artwork and then they want to read about that specific animal so I think that has been
7: successful Uh,
6: I I can't think of any comments specifically about the artwork other than just you know liking certain things about the work or connecting facts with like some of the some of the stuff that's represented yeah. in it, but yeah. well,
0: in the future when you're producing pieces, especially because you're probably going to paint more squirrels in there. yeah room. yeah uh, you know is this is this give you a different perspective when you're painting is this going to make you is this like a, added a whole other layer when you're doing it like it's not just cute anymore it's yeah
6: not just definitely a comfort animal for you. yeah. like, you're
0: like wow well, okay I'm essentially drawing. Mm-hmm. I, I learned something from this, and I'm essentially, like, maybe all my squirrels were that. Maybe this, maybe you were, like, meant to draw the squirrel. Yeah. You could be the <laughs> <I> could do- <laughs> spokesperson for yes.
6: the squirrel. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: You're going to be the crazy yeah. squirrel lady. It
6: definitely, it definitely made me think, like, I should research, do more specific research to different species, and really see, like, the differences between those animals. So, like, if I do want to draw a squirrel, instead of it just being, like, a generic squirrel, Uh you know, research, like, oh, where would, like, what kind of species would it be, or what do I want to focus on? Right. Um, Because there are a lot of squirrels out there. If I want to stick with the squirrel...
3: That's right. You know, Well, you have options.
6: Yes, I do have a lot of options. And I've never drawn a ground squirrel before, which is a lot different than, like, a tree squirrel or whatever, however they're called. They have, like, the shorter tail... Like smaller yeah. ears so and... And I would yeah. say that when yeah. I knew
4: that,
6: Well,
0: I, I, th- <laughs> I think you should check out a, a Kaidat <laughs> squirrel, the ones that they're I like have, in the... Like uh, the southwest region <laughs> okay yeah. they are very animated looking because they anyway. you look at them and you you couldn't believe this I mean I find it hard to believe they exist like in North America they're yeah. rather yeah. exotic because they have these very long tufts
6: <laughs> oh yeah I on actually gotta I mean, think about it I've seen them really
0: long tufts yeah. and then they have a white patch um, that really stands out so when you see them jumping it's like is that what is that a yeah, squirrel like, what is that? <laughs> because it has all these exaggerated features
6: yeah Yeah. Um,
0: so anyways anyways yeah um Listen. If you were talking to a bunch of school kids, okay, and they were coming, through, I mean, I would love to have kids come through here yeah. to look at this sort of stuff. Um, you know, what would you hope that they would learn from that, or what would you say to them um, about, you know, art? You know, and, and, and yeah. conservation, wildlife, yeah. and just the how yeah. It's actually, art and science are like brother and sister.
6: Oh, definitely. So, I mean, there's so much history behind that. Uh,
0: you know, because some of these kids will not be involved in either or. Yeah. Some might be more one or the other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how would you speak yeah. to them coming from now that you've done something like yeah. this with a strong art background?
6: Yeah, yeah. Um, as far
0: as, like, what they could do.
6: yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think the biggest thing for me, and I, I feel like it's it's been uh, coming to a head in the last few months, is like figuring out whatever medium it is, either you know writing, or if you're if you're artistic, or whatever your strong suit is using your voice to like help uh, donate your efforts to help uh, something that might um, I can't even think of the word that I'm looking for uh, to help something that might be in need mm-hmm. so um, you know showing kids that you know yes I did use my artwork to help bring light to endangered species or sometimes maybe there are people who write music or writers who want to write books about it and mm-hmm. um, I think that that's kind of not even necessarily from an art standpoint but just in general like being a good steward of the earth or or society and trying to figure out like how your voice whatever that is like how you can use your voice to help those that need help um that's at least for me i know that i've been trying to do more um, donation work and using my artwork to help other organizations um however they can like i donate work to the humane society they use that artwork to promote their events coming up Um, i have other friends that make artwork and then sell it and then donate a proceed Mm -hmm. to an organization of their choice Um, Yeah, I, yeah, I I feel like for me, that's probably like one thing I would stress to kids is like. Finding your voice to help help what you help those who need it, who need it.
0: Find something that you love to do and yeah. then utilize that yeah. effort yes. to a cause that you know that is important to you yeah. and would benefit. It feels that, good. Right. It. Be- I mean, it really does. You're
6: growing yourself and you're helping grow that organization. Well, whatever it it's, it's a
0: two way road. It's, you're nurturing each other. It's yeah. it's fueling the emotion inside you, yes, and, and you in turn are making positive change.
6: Yes, definitely. Good. I would tell them.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much.
6: Talking oh.
0: to Visiting the exhibit is Gregory Hughes, who is a biologist and state supervisor of U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Idaho.
2: I work for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And what is your position? And in I'm the Idaho are. state supervisor. Okay. And what's, what's that responsibility exactly? So I have about, uh, I have two three offices in the state of Idaho. One in Spokane, one in Chubbuck, and one in Boise and we do uh, Section 7 consultation, which is for all federal projects. We consult on endangered species Mm -hmm. and and impacts. And then I have a Partners for Fish and Wildlife program that works with private landowners and others to work on restoration and habitat uh, enhancement projects to try to uh, protect the environment and uh, be good stewards of the land. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a a recovery and listing branch. species are in trouble. We work on the listings of these endangered species or proposed, threatened or endangered. And then I have a recovery branch that works on the recovery of these species because our goal is not to list. We only list if necessary because they're threatened with extinction. Uh, But when they are, our goal then becomes to work towards their recovery and do everything in our Mm -hmm. power. To try to recover that species, take them off the endangered species list, and they then are solely the state's responsibility to manage and maintain. So, so what brings, what you know? How did you stumble across uh, this art scene here that you're at right now? My public affairs officer happened to see the little flyer that uh, you guys put out. Oh right, and uh, with all the animals so and with all the animals, I have it right here, and it, and it was like wow, and I looked at it, and I'm going wow, well, I'm uh, I've been in Boise for six months and now it's my home and i and idaho is my home and i care about it uh, and all the environment right and the people on the land and the critters that uh, su- that they support so and i happened to see you know who was there the land trust which is a, a big partner of ours and then i saw the endangered species print project and even though i'm in the that field i said what is that and i asked my public information officer and he said i don't know i Saw these and I thought I would bring them and distribute them through the office. So that's great. And uh, so it worked. (laughs) Our plan
0: worked. We got you here. Your
2: your evil plan worked. (laughs) And uh, I'm glad I came. And so that was one where you know we're a resource, Uh, like you mentioned. Idaho Fish and Game is a resource. They're much larger. They've got many more offices through the state, and it's their primary jurisdiction and function to do that. But we're also here. We live in Idaho. We work in Idaho, and we love. Idaho, so we're here also as a resource uh, to provide technical assistance to whether it's private landowners or other federal agencies or even working hand in hand with the state. Uh, you know, we're about collaboration.
0: Well, good. Um, I'm, so now that you're here and you kind of see what's happening, uh-huh. I mean, what is what is your perception of like the scene here as far as like what you're the, the art that you're seeing on the wall? I mean, you're obviously able to identify some of these species. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. And possibly you probably have some history on them. I mean, is there yep. is there a piece in particular that stands out to you that that you have a personal stake or a personal interest
2: in? Obviously, I, uh, there's several of them. I mean, there's many of them here. But you know, uh, Spalding's catchfly over here. I'm looking at that. As a matter of fact. That one spoke to me so hard. We just put in for some uh, recovery funds for that species in Washington in this case, and I have folks that have that... Uh, Spokane office, so we're a little bit tied. We know species don't know borders. Right, right. And so they put in for a project together with Washington and got funding to, to work on the Spalding Sketchfly project. So I was looking at that, and I'm trying to decide if I should buy that <laughs> so that I could present it to the team that put that together, that worked on it, both federal and state. I'm sure the artists would appreciate it. Would that. I'm sure the artists would appreciate it, which then generates more art and more culture. Uh, Wolverine, obviously, they're looking at that now hard in terms of what we're going to do in terms of uh, uh, listing or not. Uh, I used to be the migratory bird chief for the southwest region, so obviously uh, uh, the uh, Kerbill Thrasher, or the Sage Thrasher, what is that one there? Sage Thrasher and that one, uh, Lewis Woodpecker, all those birds speak to me and my love of birds. Uh, And then uh, there's a really cute, I mean, adorable picture of uh, North Idaho ground squirrels nestled in their bed in their underground labyrinth. And, you know, uh, from you and I discussing this, it was like, you just gave these artists, you know, and some didn't know much about the species or its its ecology or history, and they were able to then kind of do their own interpretation. Right. And... uh, it turned out really cool and uh and all of them you know it, it uh as you said it challenges if you come from it as a ologist pure biology mm-hmm. you know either we have these uh, perfectionists right that has to be an, an anatomical detail or an abstractionist and i'm more of an abstractionist so i like it if it tells me something and then i have to kind of interpret it myself as mm-hmm. to What's it mean? What's it? What's it making me try to think about? And so it's engaging at that point, right? It's, yeah, it's engaging. Captures, you know. There's some, and, and I got, and it's, it's all it's individual. And I know that there's some that just kind of draw me in. And uh, you have over here a pair of eagles. And I can remember It's like tumbling to the sky or tumbling to the ground. Right. These guys are here. So I, I know. Since I know the biology of eagles, that's a courtship. And so they lock their talons and they come tumbling to the ground. And I think, so well, that, as a, particularly a raptor guy that I'm interested in, uh, hawks and eagles and that I stuff. actually
0: love your commentary on some of these things <laughs> because I think a lot of people, they're not, you know, because you're coming from a strong science background, your your interpretation is is much different for you to digest this information. I mean, of course, it's, a lot of this stuff is abstract in yep. a lot of sense, yep. those that don't have a background... May just take it as art, but what's great, you know, the fact that we have these little info cards kind of gives them a little more insight. Like, oh, okay, now I can
2: piece some of this together, you know, with some splashes of pop culture in there. Exactly. So uh, take the Spaulding's Cash one. I want. First, uh, when I first saw it from a distance, I had to, it pulled me in, and I said, "Well, what? it has a, a shovel and farming and a tractor, and and." I thought, well, those are kind of threats. Why are those within the picture of with Spalding cashfly? And then when you look at the placard underneath it, it speaks to those threats. So it's incorporating the threats right into the species that's there. And it's like, wow, that's kind of cool. Right, right. And uh, well, and it's a nice way to show it in a picture, or in this case, an artistic piece.
0: Well, a lot of, a lot of words end up leading together and whatnot, and people, yeah, you know, they... Having a pictorial uh, image with a message in there
2: is is, uh,
0: just another way to convey that. I mean, this this doesn't necessarily uh, mean that you're speaking to a child here. I mean, this is
2: absolutely not. But you could be fooled by it if you didn't if it doesn't draw you in and you look at the details. Well, it gets your yeah.
0: It definitely pay attention to detail and also gets your gears turning. Actually, process and like think think
2: about what you're looking at as opposed to just like oh, that's just another image or right. and then some are more, you know. Some are subtle. Some are the steelhead with a steelhead, <laughs> right, <laughs> to capture your, your imagination right away. Uh, I, I, I just I've been walking around looking at them, and I have to go back because it something pops in my go. I got to go back and and look at that. And uh, see what did I miss? Right. What, what what's in there that I'm you missing?
0: You know what that means? It means if you need to buy everything, so you can you can yeah. look at these every day
2: in your own living room. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And oh, cool. uh, there are some gorgeous pieces here, and people have really done a fine job of ter- interpreting what they think of the list of endangered species. That you've given them to work with, and I think it's amazing. Well, if you have the opportunity to talk to any of these artists, you should tell them just exactly that. I think they would I really will, appreciate it. I'll, I'll do that, thank you. So
7: I'm David Roberts
0: from Bitter Creek
7: Ale House, and we are at the Swell Artist Collective. Uh, it's the Le Bois Film Festival, Idaho. Endangered species art showcase. I don't know if there's a succinct title or not. But. It's probably like eight acronyms
0: is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So
7: I'm like, I think I got all the big themes, maybe. Um, but Bitter Creek Ale House connected to the event, um, just because we. Uh, so we've been open for 21 years, and in about 2010, uh, our owner Dave Crick uh, went to a uh, a food industry conference and he um was just like really struck by how much consumption was associated with the food industry and it occurred to him that we could be uh, a model for how restaurants could be less consumptive just because like as human beings like you know we con- we consume stuff and like one of the most like you know kind of specific ways that we consume stuff is like when we actually eat and drink things in a right, restaurant right, we, right. we have the opportunity to make that process more efficient um, and so when he came back, he uh, started exploring ways to make us more efficient, and that included just, like, uh, cultural changes, like, you know, uh, helping the kitchen to understand ways that we could use less water and, like, how we dethaw things, et cetera. Um, we started trying to um, find food that was located closer to our restaurant just because then there's, like, you know, less energy associated with the way that it's processed. transportation
0: costs, fuel, ex- yeah, consumption.
7: Um, yeah, but then we also just felt like, you know, that we also like from a cultural standpoint of like representing the place where we come from. And by serving food that comes from the place where we come from, we're, you know, giving something to our guests that right, is right. like, you know, what we are about and we like our city. So um, we also, in that same time, 2010, we started a composting in our basement with worms. So we've got a big bin that uh, has a bunch of, they're called Red Wigglers. They're like a specific type of composting worm. And they take all the uh, organic compost from our prep kitchen, so just produce, no meat, no dairy, no animal protein products. Uh, also no citrus and no onion skins or spicy peppers.
0: Uh, and <laughs> Does The worms don't like spicy peppers? No, they don't like spicy peppers or onions. Uh, they're okay with onions, not on skins. Somebody told me that, that, that one worm was larger than the next. Is there like a, a golden like dragon worm down there that's in excess that is like the mother of all worms?
7: No, but there is this worm that's native to the state of Idaho, northern Idaho, called the Great Palooza white worm. And it's like 10 feet long, and they, they think it lives for like 20 years, and it, they, you know... Have only, were, they're only discovered, like, 20 years ago. I'm speaking probably a little bit in hyperbole, but they're pretty gnarly. I would recommend people Googling Great Blue's White Worm, native you, to Idaho. Do you have one yeah, in, no. in the, the bit? No. No, I think they only live in the wild because they burrow, like, way deep. Because it gets cold,
0: and so to not get cold, they burrow yeah, very deep. You know they made a film about that. Uh, Great Blue's white worms. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily <laughs> that, but there was a movie that I watched on called "The Lair of the White Worm." It was a very abstract, like, that like almost satanic type film. Yeah, about vampires. Anyway, should check that out, man, because that might, you know, like trigger something, feed the need or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, so tell me exactly. Uh, how you became you connected this sign, with, right? with this arts in here Because the way I see it is that uh, it's not—it's not just refreshing to hear that type of approach for an organization, uh, you know, like yours to do, but also beer is also art. It's yeah. also a craft. It's about adding ingredients and, and, and trying to tell a story of flavor, right? Yeah. So um, how, how did you become involved with this uh, the Swell concept?
1: Um, well,
7: as I mentioned earlier, we are super proud to be Boiseans, and we've been here for 20 years. And we try to do lots of things that um, help us promote. Like I think the, the highest compliment you can pay to us is a restaurant, beer bar, um is that you when people come to visit you from outside of the, your, like you are a proud Boisean and when your family comes to visit the first place you take them is Bitter Creek Ale House because you feel like it represents you know Boise as a unique distinct place that's culturally relevant that's not Portland or Seattle and I feel like a lot of times some Boiseans have a kind of like you know a little bit of an inferiority complex because we're in, like, a bigger city. But I want them to feel like they can be proud of certain aspects of it and, of mm-hmm. be part of that. So uh, a way that we do that is by supporting things like, you know, local art, local music, local food, local beer, local wine, to the best of our ability. Now, that being said, we don't think that, like by virtue of being local something is also good we try to pick the best of what's local and I don't know if curate's the right word but present you know the best of what's local in ways that you know give someone a sense of what Boise is compared to some other place we don't want to be just a cookie cutter restaurant that just right, like right. serves food that came out of a bag and you know presents art that was Designed in a corporate headquarters sort of thing. Okay.
0: Well, my final question is, like, so w- what do you, what, is it, what does it feel like to be in an environment like this, um, you know, representing who you represent uh, and then being immersed uh, among, uh, you know, a variety of artists that, uh, you know, kind of share, I mean, this, the camaraderie, I guess, is what I'm shooting for. Like, what does that feel like to be part of a community Um community in, in, like, a place like this type of setting.
7: Well, it's just exciting to see the uh, the support that the scene's getting. It's also exciting to see that people are, you know, super enthusiastic about supporting, um, you know, our natural resources. Uh, and I, I feel like that makes sense because, again, to, like, beat a dead horse or whatever. I think that goes back to part of being like a unique, a uniquely Boisean is like we're very proud of our, you know, access to these, you know, wild places and scenic places and, you know, you know, outdoor recreation. And so it's uh, exciting to see these types of like collaborations happen between art movement and a brewery and a restaurant and, you know, a non-profit. good
0: well that's it, man. We really had no idea how this exhibit was going to turn out since everything was left up to the artist, but I can say that this organic approach conjured really dramatic results. We were blown away at the caliber of art, but even more amazing was the interpretation of each species by each artist. Some artists had never created wildlife art before, and after hearing about their experience was compelling to me, and an awakening for the artist. You see, this is what it's all about. Connecting people to nature and drawing that thread and connecting all of us? You cannot create art from a book or a webpage. We all inevitably have some sort of exposure to nature. The artistic expression comes from an intimate experience with nature, even if the moment was brief. There's nowhere else that that seed of nature can originate and the birth of creativity can pronounce itself. The other moments we witnessed was the support of a local business that adopts conservation approach to how they operate as a business that is mindful of preserving our planet by minimizing their footprint. It was also so refreshing to see the support of the local community and wildlife agencies, which solidifies unity. If we just witnessed artists and onlookers connecting to nature through this exhibit, then the mission of the Eyes on Conservation Artsing has fulfilled its goal. Creating content to deliver a conservation message can be expressed in so many ways. At Wildlands, we make videos and podcasts to engage people about our planet and all the biodiversity that live on it. There are so many brilliant and colorful artists out there that use their passion and talent to also communicate issues surrounding the survival of our natural world. We want to help create an environment where we all can come together and share our love for art and wildlife. If you are an artist or know of an artist, heck, You don't even have to be classified as an artist, just someone who shares our passion in helping create a community to share ideas and celebrate the arts and conservation. Please contact us. Let's inspire others together. All links and references will be on our show notes page. We have an open-door policy at Wildlands, so we encourage you all to get involved. I'm your host, Sean Bogle, and I thank all of you and hope you enjoyed today's show. Stay tuned for future yakas. Eyes Conservation Art Scene episodes. Ta ta. Those show notes can be found at wildlensinc.org/eoc112.
7: That's wildlensin dot slash e o c one one two. The Eyes Conservation podcast is a production of Wild Lens. Today's episode was produced by Sean Bogle and edited by Serena Simons. Our theme music is by The Humidors.